You are listening to the Kyle Talks Podcast, hosted by Kyle Garlett. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Kyle Talks Podcast. I am the titular host, Kyle Garlett. Episode number nine. So it has been now more than two full months of the Kyle Talks Podcast coming your way, and I appreciate you very much for downloading this, listening, uh, not having me just talk at myself, but actually talk to you. I really do appreciate it. We had some uh, wonderful weather this week here in the UK. A nice big snowstorm blew in. Felt like December, felt like Christmas time. Uh, I was so motivated that I'm sitting here now as I record this with a, a, a roaring fire playing on the television screen, thanks to uh, the, the good folks at YouTube. Uh, our, actually, our snow and ice is beginning to melt today, so it's a little sad. So I am trying to recapture that feeling with my fire going. Anyway, if you have been listening to all previous eight episodes, you know that the first thing we do each week is we begin with a Survivor of the Week. Well, Episode 9 is no different. This week, we are going to honor Colleyville Covenant Christian High School senior Jack Cross. What a great name, Jack Cross. With a name like Jack Cross, he is destined to be either a private eye or some kind of special CIA assassin featured in a series of novels, maybe some films. I don't know, something great is going to happen to Jack Cross. Although, whatever that turns out to be, it's likely to pale in comparison to the week he just had. Now, Jack plays football, or at least he did in 2016. In July of this year, just before his senior season of football began, he was diagnosed with bifocal intracranial germinoma. The suffix oma being the operative part of that very long name. Basically, it means that Jack had a brain tumor. Now, over the last six months, he has undergone a series of treatments, including chemotherapy and radiation, dropping the wide receiver's weight down to just 124 pounds. Now, those treatments are over, however, and he has put some weight back on and he even done some light jogging. And just two days prior to his team playing for the Texas Division IV State Championship, he was declared cancer-free by doctors and told that he could suit up for the game. Now, if you're a teenage football football player who just lost his senior season to a brain tumor, but have been told that you have now kicked that tumor's butt, how do you celebrate? Well, thanks to Jack's head coach, Rick Jackson, young Jack celebrated his new status as a cancer survivor by lining up under center, taking the snap, and kneeling with the ball to secure the win for the state championship. That's right, Jack got to take the last snap of the game and have his teammates mob him on the field as they won the state championship. So Jack Cross, high school senior and now state football champion and cancer survivor, congratulations, buddy. You are our survivor of the week. Moving on now to our hero of the week. And this week I'm honoring a couple that took a leap of faith together. They put aside shame and humiliation, profiled their very less than glamorous journey together, and have become inspirations for millions of people looking to lose weight and become healthier. The couple in question is Lexi and Danny Reed of Terre Haute, Indiana. And as a couple, they have lost a collective 400 pounds over the last two years. It started as an Instagram New Year's resolution in the account aptly named Fat Girl Fed Up. And now two years later, that account has more than 515,000 followers. Two years ago, Lexi Reed weighed 485 pounds and was a size 28. She's now a size 10. 
Danny began his journey with a waistline that measured 46 inches. He's now a 32, and they are both now under 200 pounds, eating healthier, exercising as a couple, and living with more energy. Doing this as a couple has helped us in so many ways, says Lexi. On days when we were unmotivated, we pushed each other to go to the gym. We also started meal prepping together, setting goals, and day by day or pound by pound, we grew closer throughout our journey. Now, by choosing to document their journey with all the many embarrassments and failures, they have inspired a movement of others and demonstrated to them that there is no shame in having a life that's out of control. The only shame is not doing something to fix it when you're able. And that is exactly what Lexi and Danny Reed have done. They have regained control over their own lives and provided a path to success for countless others out there desperate to accomplish the same thing. Lexi puts the accomplishment into perspective with these words. There are no words to explain the feeling of saving your own life. Going into 2018, I have nothing but a newfound happiness for this life I am living. I no longer am a prisoner in my own body, and instead of just existing in my own life, I'm finally alive. Every day I wake up is a blessing. And may that blessing continue to blossom for both you and Danny, and may it find root in the thousands of people who have followed your journey and drawn strength from it. Congratulations to Lexi and Danny Reed, our heroes of the week. Allow me to do one quick update for one of our past heroes. You remember the story of Johnny Bobbitt Jr. He was the homeless man in Philadelphia who spent his only $20 to rescue Kate McClure, who was the woman who found herself stranded by a freeway off-ramp with an empty gas tank. She then set up a GoFundMe account for, to raise money for Bobbitt, and there was much rejoicing. Well, that fundraiser netted nearly $400,000, and we are happy to say that Mr. Bobbitt, the former Marine and paramedic, is now no longer homeless. He has purchased a house. He also bought his dream truck, a 1999 Ford Ranger, and he has made a substantial donation to the GoFundMe account set up by a Philadelphia grade school student who wants to use that money to assist a different homeless veteran, someone that he became friends with during his daily walks home from school. So super cool. The goodness just keeps flowing forward, and there continues to be much rejoicing. Speaking of much rejoicing, there's a little movie out this week called The Last Jedi. This week, I am all about the Star Wars. Now, I'll watch a Star Trek flick, although I've been rather lukewarm on the many different Star Trek series. When it comes to superheroes, I'm down with the Marvel characters that have their own Netflix seasons. I especially like the Punisher and Jessica Jones. The rest, eh, okay. And outside of the classic Superman and Spider-Man and Robert Downey Jr.'s run as Iron Man, I leave most of the superhero franchises alone. But my one interrupted franchise love, the one that I will see the moment it comes out, the one that still makes me geek out like a kid, is Star Wars. And because I live in the UK and the UK gets the new Star Wars release a full day before it hits the theaters in the United States, I have already seen the new Star Wars The Last Jedi. As has become my December tradition these last three years, I get an early morning ticket the day of release, I throw on my Darth Vader t-shirt, and I journey to a galaxy far, far away. I promise I will not spoil any of the film, but seriously... Um, if you downloaded this podcast and listened to it before you watched The Last Jedi, you need a serious reorganization of your priorities. You make bad choices. This is what I will say about episode number eight, The Last Jedi. Excellent, excellent movie. 
Um, it is long, but there's so much story that it packs into that length that uh, it does not feel long. I will say this, you may never want to drink milk again after you see this. You will, however, uh, have a new appreciation for how cool ironing is. And uh, don't be surprised if crystal dogs are the new, uh, new trend in pets. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, also, uh, one, 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 one other little teaser. Um, it's all about the sexy beard. Now, I'm not just saying that because I now have a beard and it is sexy. It's all about the sexy beard on Luke Skywalker. Um, Luke is, is, is awesome. It's obviously it's been Luke's story since the very beginning. Luke and his beard, big time in the, in the movie. Great film. Uh, you must go see it multiple times. I'm going to go see it again. It was uh, every, uh, everything I was hoping for in a Star Wars film. It's, it's going to take a lot for me to not like a Star Wars film. But uh, this is definitely one that I will rank right up there with, uh, with well, most everybody agrees that the best one so far uh, has been The Empire Strikes Back. This is up there. I really, really liked it. Benicio Del Toro uh, shows up. He's great. Um, it is it's sad, of course, that's Carrie Fisher's last film, but uh, Leia is always fantastic. Just a great movie. Uh, get yourself to a theater right away because Star Wars is out. And it is awesome. Almost a shame to move on with the rest of the show because everything is going to be anticlimactic now. But move on, we must. And moving on, we move on to news. Uh, the American Society of Hematology just had its annual meeting in Atlanta. And during that gathering of people who have committed their lives to saving the lives of those with blood cancers, some very good news was reported by the folks at Novartis Pharmaceuticals. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, Novartis did sponsor my Ironman exploits a few years back, and I did a number of speaking gigs on their behalf, but I am not a current paid spokesperson or paid anything for Novartis today. Although, if they are looking to sponsor a podcast, I have some ideas on that one. They should give me a call. Anyway, Novartis can be or Novartis has been running trials on a new therapy that harvests a patient's own disease-fighting T cells, genetically engineering those cells to target specific proteins that can be found on cancer cells, in this case diffuse large B cell lymphoma, and then they use those cells to put back into the patient where they will seek out and attack cancer cells, circulating throughout the body and acting as a kind of reconnaissance infantry infantry unit in the war against cancer, and in theory those cells will continue to do that for years. Now, early results are in and they are good. Not only are remissions being achieved, but the really good news is that they are seeing durable remissions for those patients that achieved an initial remission in three to six months. A little explanation for me, remission is essentially achieved when the body has no active cancer cells. The longer you hold that remission, the greater the odds that the remission will hold long enough for doctors to consider you cured. So a quick initial remission is very good, a durable remission is great. Dr. Stephen Schuster of the University of Pennsylvania's Abramson Cancer Center, the trial's lead investigator, said, quote, the technology is spectacular. We're able to save the lives of people that just a few years ago we couldn't. I can't express the amount of satisfaction and excitement that I have. We are in an amazing time, and it's really just the beginning. Amazing and wonderful news indeed. Being able to use our own cells to fight our own cancers the wave of breakthroughs that could follow this is truly spectacular. 
In other cancer-fighting news, a British woman is the first person in the world to undergo, undergo a new combination of drugs to fight breast cancer. Anna Jones, who has been fighting breast cancer for more than 10 years and has now seen it spread to her lungs and liver, has been given a combination of immunotherapy drugs, including the known drug Herceptin, and a new drug so new that it has yet to receive a name. For now, it is known as R0687-4281. Doctors believe that these two drugs together will be more effective in stimulating the body's ability to kill the cancer cells. Eventually, the study will have a total of 60 patients on the new therapy, and we wish Anna and the rest of those patients well in this trial. In other cancer detection news, because early detection, as we know, is one of the keys to cancer survival, researchers at Rutgers University are using light-emitting nanoparticles to seek and detect microtumors, tumors so small that they could otherwise go undetected. Explaining the true breakthrough nature of the research, Professor Prabhas Moge, and I apologize, I'm sure I destroyed his name, but Professor Moge said, we always had this dream that we could track the progression of cancer in real time, and that's what we've done. The study's co-author said, you can now treat the tumors intelligently because now you know the cancer's address. And Dr. Stephen Labuti, the director of the Rutgers Cancer Institute of New Jersey, explained it like this. The Achilles heel of surgical management for cancer is the presence of micrometastases. This is also a problem for proper staging or treatment planning. The nanoprobes described in this paper will go a long way to solving those problems. I gotta say, I absolutely love that so many smart people in the world are using those smarts for cool stuff like this. I love it. As Dr. Schuster said in the first story I just read, we are indeed in an amazing time. (laughs) Whoa, kids. Jail door slamming shut, followed by a sad clown trumpet. That can only mean one thing. Back by popular demand, it's stupid criminals. Yay. No, 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 yays. No, yays. Yeah. One, one, one sad little yay. One sad little yay. All right. Anyway, on to the stories. We begin in Northport, New York, where 26-year-old Ariel Bonici drove to the courthouse to answer a summons that had been issued to her back in May for unlawful possession of marijuana. As she was pulling into the parking lot that is used by both the court and the local police department, she cut off a pair of officers driving in an unmarked police vehicle, then proceeded to park her 2001 Jeep in a spot very clearly marked as reserved for the chief of police. The two officers, intrigued, approached the vehicle, and when Benici rolled down the windows, it was described as, quote, like Cheech and Chong with all the smoke coming out of the car. Needless to say, Bonici was issued yet another summons for unlawful possession of marijuana and has additionally been cited for using her cell phone while driving. In Placer County, California, three people were arrested after a large pile of stolen mail was discovered inside their car. That, in and of itself, makes them criminals, if not stupid criminals. But how the police came to discover the stolen mail makes them epically stupid. The three master criminals, Marvin Lyles, Jeremiah Franklin, and Misha Cooper, lost their car keys while breaking into a mailbox. And since they couldn't start the car without those keys, they called 911 for help. The responding deputy found the mail on the seats and floor of the car, which was parked right next to a pride open mailbox. (laughs) 
18-year-old Neji Logan and 21-year-old Justin Larry have been charged with armed robbery after holding up a man at gunpoint in the parking lot of a grocery store in the Atlanta area. Police were able to quickly find the two suspects still in their getaway car when said getaway car ran out of gas, which, as it turns out, is a pretty important detail when prepping your getaway car. Otherwise, it's just car. And finally, in Montgomery County, Maryland, 34-year-old Eugene Matuzovich was given a ticket after an officer saw him make a turn at an intersection with a no-turn sign. Unhappy, Matuzovich challenged the ticket in traffic court, presumably hoping that the officer would not show. The officer did show, however, and he testified, and Matuzovich was found guilty of the offense. Well, this made him really unhappy, and he began to send obscene and harassing text messages to the officer, which included the officer's social security number and the very unoriginal you there fat boy on a donut break. Matuzovich has been charged with several additional offenses, including the sending of harassing electronic communication. We've all been guilty of typing out an angry and thoughtless email or text message, but what separates us, the happy, from them, the the perpetually angry, and in this case criminal, is the ability to step away from the text message Take a moment to compose yourself and then delete that text message. Hopefully, Mr. Matuzovich can learn that lesson of self-control sooner rather than later. Dramatic organ music means it's time for news of the creepy and macabre. Now, if you find yourself in need of an extra shoe or two, a visit to British Columbia might be in order. That is because for the 13th time in the last 10 years, a human foot with shoes still attached has washed ashore in the area. The most recent was found on Vancouver Island by a man out walking his dog who picked up the foot and carried it home before contacting the police. For the record, authorities with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police suggest not taking the foot home but instead calling them immediately and allowing them the honor of removing the foot. That is, of course, unless the shoe is your size, then by all means consider it a treasure washed ashore. One would, of course, wonder why something so strange is afoot along the shores of the Pacific Northwest, but sadly it is neither sinister nor exciting. A lot of people live in the area. The area has a lot of water, and a lot of bodies go into that water. It's cold, so the bodies stay relatively preserved until eventually they don't and the bits and pieces of body that have a lightweight athletic shoe tied to them tend to float and catch the currents. A reporter for NPR who looked into the mystery of the floating feet back in 2011 says that at any given time there are hundreds of dead bodies in the waters of the Northwest. So think about that the next time you find yourself on a ferry in Puget Sound. We still have dramatic music because it's time for Stupid Government News, also known as the Ballad of Ron Swanson. My name is Ron Swanson, and I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about the miserable, screwed-up world of local government. Now, three years ago, a traffic camera in the city of Beaverton, Oregon, nabbed the wife of Mats Jarlstrom for running a red light. But Jarlstrom was no ordinary husband. He was an electronics engineer who was intrigued by the fact that according to the camera, his wife was a tenth of a second too late in clearing the intersection during the yellow light, resulting in the ticket. 
It turns out that a mathematician with a curious mind is a very dangerous thing. Jarlstrom set up a camera at the intersection in question and recorded a series of yellow light cycles, discovering that the yellow light stayed yellow for a shorter duration than the city's own website claims. It is worth noting that in the United States, red light laws fall into two categories, permissive and restrictive. Permissive means you are allowed to enter an intersection while the light is still yellow. In restrictive states, including Oregon, you must have exited the intersection while the light is still yellow. And since that requires both a warning time and a clearing time, the yellow lights in these states, based on a mathematical formula related to the posted speed limit, are longer in duration than the yellow lights in permissive states. Jarlstrom discovered through his own research that the yellow lights in Beaverton, Oregon, were timed at the rate of a permissive state, even though it was enforcing the laws of a restrictive state. So naturally, he was convinced that not only would he get his wife's ticket thrown out, but officials would be happy to hear about the discrepancy since the shorter lights were putting the public's safety at risk. Oh, how wrong was he? Not only did he still have to pay his wife's ticket of $260, he was slapped with a $500 fine for practicing engineering without a license. The Oregon State Board of Examiners for Engineering and Land Surveying even said that Jarlstrom's use of the phrase, I am an engineer, in his letter to them, was a clear violation of the law. It is true that Jarlstrom holds no engineering license from the state of Oregon, but he was trained as an engineer in his native Sweden, and he runs an equipment calibration system company. So while no, he can't conduct a land survey, surely he's allowed to still do math. As it turns out, this isn't the first time this particular Oregon board has gotten touchy about the word engineer being used without their express permission. Portland City Commissioner Dan Saltzman was investigated for calling himself an environmental engineer in a campaign pamphlet. Mr. Saltzman has a master's from MIT's School of Civil Engineering and has membership in the American Society of Civil Engineering, by the way. Another man who was running for governor referred to himself as an engineer and problem solver during a campaign ad, and that prompted the board to investigate him. That candidate had a degree from Purdue University in, you guessed it, engineering, and he worked as an engineer for Boeing. Another time, a $1,000 fine was levied for illegally practicing engineering after a local in Lapine, Oregon, told the city council that a new power plant being proposed would create a noise problem for residents. But back to Jarlstrom and present day. He sued the board for violating his First Amendment right, and he won. His $500 fine has been refunded, and in a rare move, the state of Oregon has admitted to violating Mr. Jarlstrom's rights. As of right now, the ruling only applies to Jarlstrom, who sought no monetary damages, only a curtailing of the board's ability to go after individuals. But the judge in the case, Stacey Beckerman, is expected to make additional rules that will limit the board's actions in the future. On another fun note from the world of local politics, Richard Close is the new city council member representing Ward 4 in the city of Laurel, Montana. What makes this bit of news particularly fun is that Richard Close did not run for that position, and he was elected with just three write-in votes. 52 total votes were cast in Ward 4, meaning that Close won the election with just 5% of the vote. He has accepted the position in spite of not seeking it, and he will begin his term on January 2nd.
One final note from the world of sports before we say goodbye. This one coming to us from the world of, wait for it, golf. Ricky Fowler is quite the golfer. He's been on three Ryder Cup teams, including the 2016 American team that was victorious at Hazeltine. This last season, he finished in the top five at both the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship. He has four PGA Tour wins and most recently was, was victorious at the Hero World Challenge, which is the tournament hosted by Tiger Woods to benefit the Tiger Woods Foundation. It's this last win just a few days ago that has the world recognizing that not only is Ricky Fowler a great golfer, he is truly a great human being. Upon shooting a course record 61 en route to a 17 under, a 17 under par four-stroke victory, Fowler dedicated his win to an unknown man named Herman Reyes. Fowler went on to explain in an Instagram post, 38 days ago, I flew up to Atlanta to play golf with a man fighting pancreatic cancer. For him, I hope it was a fun-filled, enjoyable round of golf. For me, it turned out to be much more than that. From breakfast to the course to a late afternoon lunch, it was amazing. We shared a cart and shared plenty of laughs along the way. I think some of his putting rubbed off on me too as he made plenty that day. It was a day I will remember for the rest of my life. Eleven days ago, the Sunday before Tiger's tourney, we lost that man. A man I wish I could thank for choosing to spend one of his last days with me. Thank you, Dr. Reyes, and the win last week was for you. Rest in peace and my thoughts and prayers go out to your family and friends. Jordan Spieth has called Fowler one of the nicest people he knows, and good friend and fellow golfer Justin Thomas said that this kind of thing no longer surprises him. It's just who Ricky Fowler is. That is going to do it for me this week. This week, that is Star Wars Week. Yes. Go see the movie Star Wars. Uh, see it once, twice, three times, four, five. Luke, Leia, C-3PO, uh, Chewbacca, Finn, Poe, and Ray. Daisy Ridley is just phenomenal. Uh, I just I, thinking again today, watching the watching the movie. Just um, what a great casting decision she was. And uh, if, if somebody can carry the last third of this franchise, uh, it is certainly her. She is phenomenal. Uh, I appreciate you finding 30 minutes in what is a very busy schedule. Not only do you have Christmas parties to attend, you've got Christmas shopping to, to, to finalize. You've got now Star Wars The Last Jedi on your to-do list. And even if you've already ticked it off your to-do list, I'm sure it's back on there for another showing. Anyway, I do appreciate you joining me. Um, uh, it is always a pleasure to have you spend a little bit of time with me. Uh, And uh, until we meet again next week, may the force be with you. Kyle Talks Podcast is a 1010 Media Production. Goodbye.